Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Natalie. And before I start up this episode, I wanted to share an announcement. We got our very first donation and we happened to be in the middle of a test record in a new location and we captured the reaction from Polly and myself. And I just wanted to share our joy. We will be reaching out to the donor to see if they are okay with a shout out by name in our next recording session. But thank you. You know who you are. And here's the live reaction that I accidentally recorded and just thought it was funny and y'all would enjoy it. So here you go. We just got money. Polly, we just got money. What? 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 Awesome. Just contributed to our buy, a, buy me a coffee fund. That's so cool. <gasps> 20 bucks. Holy. That's like a coffee for each of us. Oh my God. I'm like, I have goosebumps. Look, we have. Look, we have a, a donation. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> and we have this recorded. <gasps> we have <this> recorded. <laughs> I might add this to our episode. And it's it's contributed $20 for hosting fees for our episodes. Keep it up. That's the note. Stop turning my computer. Hi, kitty. We got money, kitty. He's like, that better buy me some cat food. <laughs> hey, do you want new headphones? I know. They're doing okay for now. I'd, <laughs> I'd, rather, have, I'd rather have a monster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got to send this to Angel. I wish Angel was on here right now. She's still in school. Oh, man. Lame. <sighs> got 20 bucks somebody likes us enough to give us money we're professionals <gasps> yay oh my god we're really professionals now <laughs> <laughs> look there's a tear <laughs> well thank you again and now we will return you to our regularly scheduled discussion of paul bunyan hi everyone i'm natalie we are here for the paul bunyan discussion it's kind of late but it isn't really late because there was no deadline but i digress i'm joined as always by angel and polly angel how are you doing i'm doing great this one is kind of interesting for me as a uh, teacher <laughs> and polly how are you doing well happy spring break to me <laughs> yay spring break i don't get spring breaks anymore so why don't you get us started with the cultures that this story developed in well Interestingly enough, historians think the character was based partly on an actual French-Canadian lumberjack who was working in Michigan after the Civil War. He supposedly stood about a foot taller than most of the men he worked with and went by the name of Saginaw Joe. He was well known for what we shall euphemistically call a boisterous life. He was murdered in a notorious lumber town, and the trial of his alleged killer was sensationalized, which fueled tales of Saginaw Joe's rough life and prowess in the logging camps. Eventually, tales about Joe seem to have combined with the legend of another French-Canadian lumberman named Bonjean 
who was a major part of the Pepinal Rebellion of 1837. His name is the one that probably morphed into the last name of Bunyan. He reminds me of Big John from the song, except that he was a miner from Louisiana. Uh, Big John always reminded me of my dad. Big John, Big Bad John. <laughs> I love the sequel, when his Cajun queen comes and digs him out of the mine and kisses him back to life. Gotta love a good old Cajun queen kiss, says the girl from South Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. And I did not know there was a sequel, so I have to go find it now. <laughs> That's the best part of B-Side Radio. It's the little known songs. Yeah, this is probably a trope, but the whole bigger is better and stronger and more destructive power makes more money. It's very capitalistic. Definitely. The thing about Paul Bunyan, his stories are the product of people constantly trying to one-up each other. That whole sense of, oh yeah, well, one time I heard that fills these stories were almost like giving me permission as a kid to imagine things bigger and better than real life. Um. When I was little, I sometimes believed in most stories, but I never once believed anything in a Paul Bunyan tale. It sounded <laughs> like my father and his brothers swapping lies on grandma's front porch. It's a very Norwegian tradition, the art of one-upping. They would sit around the fire and tell bigger and bigger tales of feats and adventures to pass the long winter nights. Of course, everyone knew it was all lies and flummadiddle. <laughs> flummadiddle! Flummadiddle! That's fantastic! Flumadiddle. Oh. <laughs> I, I will never, never not use flumadiddle. Oh, that's great. I got a new word. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And even though there is a lot to these stories that is problematic today, <clears throat> deforestation, anyone? Um, uh, yes. The part where he, he kills the creature that's destroying trees looking for beehives. He drives an entire species to extinction because he might lose money. The man cut down millions of trees a day and then got mad about one creature cutting into his profit margin. You know, while reading this as an adult, I noticed things I did not pick up on when I was little. However, the down-home style of storytelling that is a key part of our cultural heritage is worth preserving. Well, that is why we read these stories now, to preserve them. Even though we know better now... It's still a part of the past that we shouldn't forget. Yes. And to discuss our modern opinions of them and dissect the way that our culture has grown in sensibilities towards nature and people. Well, some of our culture. I mean, the kids are okay. <laughs> Though, as a grown-up, it made me laugh when I realized the land where he supposedly had accomplished these great feats of lumbering is the Great Plains where there were never any trees to begin with. <laughs> yes, and that is the proof of him having done it. He even destroyed the stumps so well that there's no evidence of ever having been a forest there. And the Grand Canyon is proof of his pickaxe dragging on the ground behind him, etc., etc. <laughs> As tenderhearted as I always have been about animals, I think the fact that it was so obvious that the dozens of creatures he hunted to extinction weren't real kept me from getting upset when I first read them. Now, however, I realize that far too many actual animals have suffered the same fate, and it does take away a good bit of the joy I found in these stories when I was little. So let's move on from that upbeat topic to what was your favorite part of these stories? 
Well, I always enjoyed the stories that included Babe. As a kid, I just, just the image of there being a giant bright blue ox walking around and wearing green tinted sunglasses was an image that really stuck with me. Well, the green glasses was the cow. Babe was a bull and he had no deficiencies other than his balls always being blue. (laughs) (laughs) God. That's right. Bessie had the glasses. That's probably where cows being named Bessie comes from. Bessie is the mm-hmm. only female in the story with a name besides his daughter, Teeny, who is only mentioned twice. Those poor ducks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's how duck psychology works like at all. Do you know if the tube to lay the eggs is a spiral too? <laughs> Man, female ducks have a hard life. And if you are listening to this discussion before listening to the story, when you listen to the story, then you'll get the joke. (laughs) So, moving on. I enjoyed the meet cute where he met his wife and she showed that she was as strong and stubborn as he was trying to help save her sister. I don't remember if she ever got a name. But Paul's wife was no damsel in distress that needed saving. She just needed an assist. My favorite tale has always been the flapjack griddle story with the kitchen boys skating around with the bacon strapped to their feet. And if they didn't get out of the griddle fast enough, they got cooked up in the flapjacks like raisins in a cake. For some reason, that story's always tickled me as a demented child. It was all just so horrifyingly ridiculous. (laughs) This is why we're friends. (laughs) That and the oxen being strung up by Babe across the mountains like a clothesline they all strangled. Oh, God, the strangled oxen was always a horrifying image for me. Yeah, the oxen being strung up was not a fun story for me either. Well, the image in my mind is sort of cartoony with blue faces and bulgy eyes. Reminds me of I'm a cow. (laughs) Ew. But yeah, the Paul Bunyan stories are just as willing to maim and kill humans as they are animals, though. And just they just shrug it off as, oh, well, they knew this was a risky business. Yeah, it's the typical attitude. People might say that it was for the time period, but I say it's just for humanity. Once profits get mixed in, lives mean less and less to the people who don't have to live it. And people get mixed into pancakes for laughs. Yeah, don't get me started on child labor. But that's not part of this story. Yeah, the little chore boy wasn't actually a boy. He was an adult male who simply wasn't as big as all the others. (laughs) True. So other than being cooked into breakfast or being driven insane by meeting yourself on the twisty trails, what do you think the lessons were originally? Are there really lessons for a tall tale? I mean, the whole point is just to be entertaining. Well, not much is written by humans that doesn't sneak in an opinion or a lesson or five. Hmm. I think... They all have a theme of being happy to work hard and earn the right to play hard when you're through. They take such joy in working longer and harder than anyone else because it proves that they are the best, fill in the blank with whatever the story is about, ever, by virtue of their ability to do more than anyone could imagine. Wow, this does translate into modern times. Earning a living is just a horrifying facet of humanity's twisted psyche. The real twisty trail. Sounds like a toxic work environment. (laughs) Yeah, well, eventually even the seven axemen got fed up with the way they were treated and quit. That's how Paul ended up all alone roaming around northern Canada. Because he threw corn instead of a pizza party. (laughs) My work threw us a party one time and made us cook the food ourselves. And it wasn't a potluck? You just did your 
freaking job? <laughs> At least we didn't have to feed it to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> that is not exactly my image of playing hard after working hard. Um, but now that I know about Saginaw Joe, I can see where the play hard came from. Dude had quite the reputation for drinking and fighting. So how do I transition this from drinking and fighting to modern lessons? We've kind of left behind our poor format. <laughs> Rest in peace. Well, <laughs> maybe take better care of your workers. Um, then they won't have to spend so much time drinking and fighting. <laughs> I mean, Paul's came up was an OSHA lawsuit just waiting to happen. The callous demands he made on one of the seven axemen that left the poor dude stuck on that corn stalk, after they finally got him down, he was like, that's it, I'm out of here. And losing the seven axemen is what ultimately brings an end to Paul Bunyan's exploits. <laughs> that and the random popcorn massacre. That was pretty oh poor God. treatment after all they had been <laughs> through together. It sounds like Bunyan got too big for his britches and they had enough. People don't leave bad jobs after all. They leave bad managers. That is so true. Toxic work environments are the worst. So, to close us out today, what do you think happened after the story? Well, supposedly he and his dog are still roaming the wilds of Canada. Though that final part rarely shows up in most books. I think because there is a melancholy to the idea of Paul Bunyan without Babe and his friends, just alone with his upside-down dog in the frozen wilderness, avoiding the crowded noise of the modern world. Melancholy due to popcorn. He's going to roam forever now because we know better than to cut down all the trees and kill off whole species for building supplies. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, me too. Sarcasm noted. And I agree. I'm also on board with disappearing into the wilds and avoiding people. So maybe Nuggies and I can go look for him someday. No way I can move fast enough to be invisible, though. And I eat popcorn almost daily. Maybe I need to learn a lesson here. Dang it. Now I want popcorn. I have popcorn flavored <laughs> marshmallows. I can't decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I can't either. I'm on my second bag and I'm still trying to decide. <laughs> you made it to the second bag. I think the decision is made. <laughs> one of those like why am i still eating this <laughs> <laughs> right like when you have a snack and you really feel like snacky but then you don't really like it but you don't have anything else to snack on this that's why i bought a big old thing of popcorn and a popcorn popper like i don't have popcorn <laughs> bags anymore it leads to snack accidents i use plain popcorn for snack accidents instead of randomly eating popcorn flavored marshmallows that i'm unsure i like <laughs> thanks for joining us today check us out on patreon you can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing if you can't afford to support us financially go give us a good review subscribe or follow and share with your friends and family Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.